Let's get into the teaching of the Word today. We are in a teaching series called The Signs of the Times. Last Sunday, we did our introduction where we laid the foundation that we are looking at the Olivet Discourse. We are looking at Jesus' prophetic declaration of the end times. But we're not just studying end times because it's interesting uh, or because we like charts. We're studying the end times because we want to know what to do today. Right? We need to be a people who understand the times, who know what to do, and who have an undivided heart for Jesus. I got to tell you, I got tons of feedback from last week's sermon. So I got the sense from you guys that this is something that we need. This is something that has really stirred our hearts and our spirits. And, and so I felt a lot of pressure like, oh, the introduction was really good. The rest of the series better be good too. Come on, yeah. But here's, here's the thing. As we get into today's message, I have way too much information to fit into one sermon. So I am going to be led by the Holy Spirit to share what I'm supposed to share and to leave out what I'm supposed to leave out. But I don't know if there's more pressure on me or more pressure on Antonio because he's got to try to follow me, and the Holy Spirit's already leading me to even do things in a different order than you've got, Antonio. So good luck. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so today is part one of, of we're going to go through four parts of Jesus' prophecy. And part one of his prophecy was a world of deception. And so if you've got your notes, you can find them in the bulletin. They're attached to this video on our website. They're attached to this audio podcast. You can also find them in our church app. Here's our big picture point today. As the end times draw near, deception and false teaching will increase as followers of Christ, we must learn to discern the truth and reflect it back to a dying world. As we move closer and closer to the end times, we're going to see deception and false teaching increase and increase. And we could look around today and say, yes, we see that. So what do we need as Jesus followers? We need truth. And we need to be able to speak that truth and live that truth in a way that reflects Jesus. So that's what we're going to dive into today. So if you've got your Bibles, we're in Matthew 24. This is the Olivet Discourse, right? Jesus teaching on the Mount of Olives. Last week, Jesus prophesied the destruction of the temple, and it came true 37 years after he said it. Right after he prophesied that, in verse 3, it says, As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So they asked him a very direct question. So he gives them a very direct answer. The the rest of chapter 24 and chapter 25 was Jesus giving his prophetic outline of the end times. And so we're going to look at the first of four parts of that. Verse 4, and Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. Jump down to verse 11. Jesus said, many false prophets will arise and will mislead many, or will deceive many. Let's jump down to verse 23. Then if anyone says to you, behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. The elect being God's people, the church. 
Behold, I have told you in advance. So if they say to you, behold, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. Or behold, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe them. For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, you remember last week we talked about the great tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. Amen. So listen, Jesus says in the last days, we are going to see an increase of deception. False teachers, false prophets, liars, we're going to see an increase of it. And Jesus is pretty straightforward here. He says, listen, if anybody says Jesus has already come back, they're lying to you. Because he says, when I come back, everybody's going to know. It's going to be like a flash of lightning across the sky. There's going to be trumpets blaring from the heavens. And the Son of Man is going to come back riding upon clouds. And he is going to ascend down from the sky. And he is going to stand upon the Mount of Olives, the very place he was standing when he said these words. He's going to come back and stand in that very same place. If anybody says he's already come, they're lying to you. They're deceiving you. If anybody claims to have special knowledge that the rest of us don't have, they're lying to you. They're deceiving you. It's amazing how the revelation of John in the book of Revelation parallels this exact outline that Jesus is teaching on the Mount of Olives. And in Revelation chapter 6, what John is seeing is he sees this book that has seven seals on it. And the only one who is worthy to open up each of the seven seals is Jesus, the Lamb. And so John sees the Lamb come to the book and begin to open each one of the seven seals. And in verse 1 of chapter 6, it says, Then I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying as with a voice of thunder, Come. I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. So here's the thing. Some theologians look at this and say that this is Jesus riding on the white horse because in Revelation 19, it gives the exact same image of Jesus riding on a white horse. But this is not, in fact, Jesus. When the first seal is broken, this rider on a white horse is a counterfeit. It is a deception. So what John saw in the end times is that when the first seal was broken, the first thing to go out was a counterfeit. It was deception. It's what we know as the Antichrist, right? He went out being given authority to conquer. Are you guys with me? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, you don't have this one, Antonio. 
Now we request you, brothers, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. That is Paul prophesying about the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. So we know that in the end times, there is going to be a man that rises up that is going to place himself in the very temple in Jerusalem. Now, what did we say last week? The temple in Jerusalem doesn't exist right now. So we will know that we are barreling towards the end times when we see the temple rebuilt on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And there will be a man who will rise to power in the world, and he will stand in the Jewish temple and declare himself to be God. And he is the Antichrist. Here is what is fascinating, is it goes on here in 2 Thessalonians. It goes on to say that the devil always has an Antichrist at the ready. Why? Because the devil doesn't know when Jesus is coming back. He's not privy to that information, so he always has an antichrist ready. We could look back through history, and we could point out people and say, I bet that was one of the antichrists the devil had ready. I bet that was one. But it says in 2 Thessalonians that there is something that is restraining the devil's man, and we know that that is the Holy Spirit. And then Paul wrote that when the time is right, the restraint will be taken away and that man will rise to power. So there is always an Antichrist at the ready. There is always the spirit of Antichrist. And as we move towards the end times, we're going to see a greater and greater amount of deception happening in our world. All right, you guys still with me? All right, awesome. So Sun Tzu... Some of you guys might know that name. He wrote The Art of War. It is a book that is still famous to this day, not necessarily just for people that fight wars, but as a leadership book, as a strategy book. People love that book. And Sun Tzu wrote this. He said, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a 100 battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy... For every victory you gained, you will also suffer defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. And out of this passage, obviously, came the phrase, know your enemy. If you know yourself, I know who I am in Christ. I know my identity as a chosen child of God. If you know yourself and you know the enemy, you'll win every battle. If you know yourself, but you don't know the enemy, you're going to take one step forward and one step back because you're going to win some battles and lose some others. If you don't know yourself, you don't even know your identity as a chosen child of God, and you don't know the enemy, you're just set up for defeat after defeat. Are you guys with me? So we want to know our enemy. In this world of deception, where does deception come from? 
Revelation 12, 9, and the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. How about John 8, 44? How did Jesus describe the devil? Speaking to the religious leaders, he said, you are of your father, the devil. That's pretty bold right there to say to religious leaders. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Come on, we have to know who the devil is. He is a liar. When he's lying, he is speaking his native language because that's the only tongue he knows is the tongue of lying. How about 2 Corinthians 11? For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. So the devil is a deceiver, but his deceptions are difficult to discern because he can present himself as an angel of light because that's who he was before he was cast down from heaven. And when there are false teachers who claim to be teachers of Christ and they're deceiving, it's like, well, no wonder because that's how the devil does it. 1 Peter chapter 5, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. At the prayer luncheon yesterday, Jack Hibbs did a phenomenal job of talking about a defanged and declawed lion because Jesus took all of his power away. And that is true for those of us that are on the, under the covering of Christ. But for those that are outside the covering of Christ, he's still the prince of this world. He's still the prince of the power of the air. And he has power and authority over people's lives to wreak havoc in their lives. For those of us that are followers of Christ, he's only like a roaring lion. But his one power that he has left is deception. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and that you may know it abundantly. The devil is not our friend. He is not for us. He doesn't want anything good for us. He simply wants to destroy our lives. He wants to destroy our relationships. He wants to steal our children. He wants to break down our marriages. He wants to break down our trust and our confidence in the word of God. He wants us to believe that God is not good. He wants to steal us away and destroy everything so that we can belong to him for all eternity. That is who the enemy is. And if his only power over us is deception, then we need to be alert to how he is trying to deceive us. And he is using the people of this age as we move towards the end times to bring about more and more deception. Think about the false prophets and the false teachers. 2 Timothy chapter 3, which we're reading tomorrow in our rooted Bible reading, but realize this, Paul writes, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. I love how that's on a list of end times things, right? 
You can be like, hey, don't bring on the end times. Listen to me. Okay. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This is a description of what people will be like as we move towards the end times. And then he says this, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. And Paul concludes by saying, avoid such men as these. There will be people who only serve themselves, who will declare themselves to be righteous, who will speak the name of God, but who will not have any of the actual power of the Holy Spirit or of God in their lives because they're only serving themselves. He goes on in verse 12 to say, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, but evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. These imposters are going to go from bad to worse. And deception is going to continue to increase. So we need to be aware of false prophets and false teachers. We need to be aware of media personalities. And I know that we have the tendency to champion one network and to put down the others because there's one network that stands for our values. Except that that network was just exposed for knowingly spreading disinformation. So maybe instead of attaching ourselves to a network, we should look for those who stand for the truth of Jesus Christ. What about politicians? I know there's generally one political party that most of Christians are affiliated with. That's our party. They stand for our values. Except that party has been spreading the big lie for the last two and a half years, and no one in the party seems to have any courage to stand up to the lie. So maybe instead of attaching ourselves to a party... We look for those who are standing for truth. Come on, the devil is a liar. There is deception. Dictators and authoritarians all over the world. How about social media? Right? You know that social media has elaborate algorithms that they know exactly how to keep you scrolling. With every little bit of dopamine that fires in your brain, you keep scrolling and you keep scrolling. And their algorithms show you exactly what they know your brain wants you to see so that you will keep scrolling. But guess what? The algorithm doesn't care if what they're showing you is true. All it cares about is that you will keep scrolling. And so deception increases through social media. This day that we live in has given to the rise of conspiracy theories and misinformation. Now, conspiracy theories have been around for a long time, but generally nobody really heard them because it was like some guy in a basement filming a show, and the only place he could get it was on, like, local broadcast television, right? Whatever, whatever that local station was. And so very few people ever saw it. I still remember uh, living in my uncle's house, and we watched one of these shows. Now, mind you, we were high on crystal meth, so we were pretty deluded anyway, but we were watching this show, and we're just like, Wow! The whole government's against us because some guy <laughs> in his basement. Now, it's still usually guys in their basements, but now with the proliferation of the Internet and social media and YouTube and all of these things, anybody can put the information out there, and it is so much more readily available, and we have seen this amazing rise of conspiracy theories and misinformation in our day. 
Why is that? Well, according to social science research, there's three things about the day that we live in that these conspiracy theories are feeding off of. And I want you to understand these. Why? Because we want to know our enemy. Three things. The first one is fear. We live in a chaotic world. And there's all kinds of stuff going on around us. And in that, we are afraid and we desire a sense of control, right? We want to try to understand the chaos so that we can feel like we have this control in the midst of the chaos. So what do conspiracy theories do? They give us ideas of what's going on. And they calm our fears because we have a sense that there's something going on that explains the chaos. What if there's no explanation to the chaos other than we live in a broken, sinful world? But that our confidence should not come from conspiracy theories, but it should come from the fact that God is on the throne, he's always in control, and it doesn't matter what happens in this world, our life is in his hands. But we look to conspiracy theories to give us a sense of control in chaotic times. How about pride? The devil feeds into our pride. What are you talking about? Listen, when you get into a conspiracy theory, you feel like I've got information that nobody else has. I'm on the inside. I, I, I'm, I'm in with this in click, and I know more than you do, and so it feeds my pride. And so then I walk around calling people sheeple and putting other people down because they don't know what I know. The devil is feeding into your pride. Know your enemy. The third one is isolation. Because of the pandemic we went through and the isolation that people experienced, the desire to belong is such a strong desire in the human spirit that when we buy into conspiracy theories, it gives us a group to connect to. It gives us a people to belong to. I'm in with this group. I've got my people. I've got my tribe because we all believe that this is what's happening. Know your enemy. And it's not just harmless fun, right? On January 6, 2021, a group of rioters tried to stage an insurrection at our nation's capital, and they stormed the building. Five people died that day. Over 1,000 people have been charged with felonies. Over 500 of them have already been convicted of those felonies and are serving time in prison. Why? Because a group of people bought into a conspiracy theory. And they were led astray by falsehoods. There is a conspiracy theory called QAnon, and I'm not even going to talk about what it is because it's disgusting. But it swept the nation during the time of COVID. One man got so deluded by the QAnon conspiracy that he believed that his children had an evil DNA that he had to stop. And so he took him to Mexico and murdered his children. That man is in prison for the rest of his life. And this is what he said from prison. Because in prison, he no longer has the internet. So he can no longer feed these conspiracy theories. He said this, I was deceived. I was deceiving myself. I know now that the DNA thing was a delusion in my own mind. I made myself believe something that wasn't there. I'm sorting through it all now. There's a lot to unpack, but I have to figure out what I really believe, but I don't have access to information anymore, so I'm having to use my mind to figure things out. 
There is a real danger to this. There is also a spiritual danger. 1 Timothy 4.1, Timothy said this, But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. If we fall into this misinformation and this deception, it could actually lead us away from our faith, and we can fall away. Know your enemy. Know what he wants to do. Dave Brees, who is a, a, a theologian and a teacher, he said this, We do well to remember that the cleverest liar makes statements that sound most nearly like the truth. The cleverest liar makes statements that sound most nearly like the truth. So the devil and his demons and the people in this world that he uses are going to do everything they can to make it sound a little bit true to try to draw you in. But ultimately, his goal is to destroy you and to lead you away from the faith. I'm going to read these to you rapid fire. This is all from the writings of Paul in the New Testament. How serious he was that we would be ready to address deception. He said, for men, for such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. I say this so that no one will deceive you with persuasive arguments. Those are all statements made by Paul in the New Testament. We need to be aware of deception. So I told you, every Sunday we're going to ask the question, what are we to do? And you can see in your notes here, we're going to look at what are the three things that we need to do, and of course my six subpoints under one of those three things, hallelujah. we got to go quick here because I want to give these all to you because I think this is so important. What are we to do as the people of God moving towards the end times in a world of deception? Number one, we are to discern the truth. We are to discern the truth. And I want to give you six steps, six tests maybe, that will help you discern truth in your life. And I think these are critical for all of us. The first three are foundational, and the second three you can use to test yourself. Are you guys ready for this? This comes from 1 John chapter 4. John writes this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. 
This is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that is coming and now is already in the world. Right? What did we say? The spirit of Antichrist is always in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. I love here how John is talking about spirits, not people. Yes, the words are coming out of people's mouths, but it is the spirit that is upon them. Is it a spirit of truth? Is it the spirit of Christ? Or is it a spirit of deception, a spirit of error, the spirit of the Antichrist that is speaking? He said to test the spirits. So we need to discern the truth. So the first foundational test is the confession of Christ Jesus. John said every spirit that confesses that Christ Jesus came in the flesh. There's a key word in there, and that key word is Christ. Right? Most everybody would say that Jesus came in the flesh. Right? Most everybody would recognize that Jesus was a real human being that lived. He was a real person in history. He was a great teacher. He was a really nice guy. But most people don't recognize that Christ Jesus came in the flesh, that he wasn't just a man, that he was the God-man, that he was the Messiah and the Savior who came from the throne of God and took on the form of man. The first test we need is, does this person represent Christ Jesus? Does this person have the spirit of Christ in them? Does this person declare that Christ Jesus is truth? That's our first test in discerning the truth. The second is the witness of the Holy Spirit, right? John said, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The Spirit of God is within us, so we can't just depend on our own intellect to lead us to truth. We are broken people. Our intellect can lead us to all sorts of weird places. We need the Spirit of God inside of us to lead us into all truth. And so does it bear witness with the Holy Spirit inside of us? When I hear something, does it bear witness with my spirit or is it bearing witness with my flesh? And we have to be mature enough to distinguish that. Because just because it makes you feel good doesn't mean it's bearing witness with the Holy Spirit. Right? Does it bear witness with the Holy Spirit? The more we spend time with the Spirit, the more we learn his voice, the more we are led by him, the more we develop intimacy with him, the easier it's going to be to identify if something bears witness with the Holy Spirit. Right? When there are bank tellers and they are training bank tellers to distinguish counterfeit bills, they never show the bank teller the counterfeit bill. All they do is show them the real ones over and over again. Every intricate detail of the real bill. Why? Because when they're that close... With the real thing, the counterfeit stands out immediately. So when we are that close with the Holy Spirit, anything that doesn't bear witness with the Holy Spirit will stand out immediately. And the third foundational one is the authority of God's Word. 
John said, we are from God. He who knows God listens to us. That we that he was using there was a very specific we in the Greek language. So he wasn't talking about we as the whole church. He was talking about we the apostles are from God. And anyone who knows God listens to us. He was recognizing the authority upon the apostles to speak the word of God, to write the word of God, that it was the writings of the apostles that became the New Testament of our Bible. So he was referring to the authority of the apostles, which today we refer to as the authority of God's word. Anything that is true is going to align with God's word. What does the devil want to do? He wants to get you to doubt God's word, to question God's word, to question his goodness, right? To to think that God is holding out on you, to add the wisdom of man to God's word, all of these things. But we just need to have the simplicity. If it lines up with God's word, it's true. And if it doesn't, it's not true. We have the authority of God's word. The second three tests are personal for you. The first one is your well-being. Your well-being. Is what you're consuming making you healthier? Because the truth will always make you better. If what you're consuming is making you afraid, that's probably not truth. Right? If what you're consuming is making you anxious or depressed, affecting your mental health, affecting your well-being, then it's probably not truth. Truth will make you better. So Test yourself. Is this making my well-being healthier? The second one is your conduct. Is this making me act more like Jesus? Is this making me talk more like Jesus? Is this making me love people more like Jesus? Because I see a lot of people arguing for truth on the Internet, but they don't sound like Jesus, and they're not loving people like Jesus. It sounds awful. And it sounds mean. You guys with me? So is what you're consuming, is it making you act and speak and love more like Jesus? Test your conduct. And then finally, the third, the final test is your community. Is what you're consuming leading you closer to your community of Christ or is it isolating you from it? Because the devil wants to separate you. That's how he hunts like a lion. He wants to get you away from your community. He wants you to not trust your pastor. He wants you to not follow your elders. He wants you to not come to church. So if what you're consuming is isolating you from your community, then it's probably not truth. Six ways to discern truth. I I pray that you guys would use those. John 8, 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Come on. Let's be discerners of the truth. Let's not just consume anything just because a Christian sent it to me, a Christian emailed it to me. It came from a Christian account on Facebook, so I'm just going to consume it. The website says it's a Christian. No, let's be discerners of truth because there is so much deception out there. And let's align ourselves with truth, not with names, not with networks, not with political parties. Let's align ourselves with truth. We've got to discern the truth. All right, I'm out of time. The last two, we've got to speak the truth. 
we got to speak the truth. We need to make sure that as followers of Christ, the things that we say are the truth so that people will have some sense of trust and connection to the church. If the church is spouting misinformation, how are we going to win a lost world? People are going to be like, you're lying just as much as everybody else. We've got to speak the truth. So here's just a challenge for all of us, myself included. If you don't know for sure that it's true, don't repeat it. You heard some gossip. Auntie so-and-so told you this. You read something crazy on the Internet. Don't repeat it. Don't repost it. Don't tweet it. Don't make a TikTok video about it. Whatever it is. If you don't know it's truth, don't repeat it. Let's be a people that speak the truth. But let's be a people that speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.14, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Instead, what do we do? Speak the truth in love. Like I said, there's a lot of people out there speaking the truth, but it doesn't sound very loving when they're shouting it on Facebook. Let's speak the truth in love. Let's speak the truth in a way that people will be drawn to it. Second Timothy, which we read today in our Rooted Bible reading, chapter 2. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged. And then listen to this, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. Can we speak the truth with love and with gentleness that those who are deceived might see the truth and they might desire the spirit that's inside of us because we're not shouting at them and we're not shaming them and we're not spouting misinformation, but we're speaking things in a way that will draw them to us that in verse 26 says they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil. Come on, that's what we want. We want to speak the truth in love. We want to speak the truth with gentleness. And then finally, let me have the worship team come back up. We want to live the truth. We want to live the truth. We want to look like Jesus. We want to sound like Jesus. We want to walk like Jesus. We want to live the truth. John wrote this in 3 John. He says, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. Psalms 86.11, this is one of Robin and I's scripture memory, hallelujah. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Thank you, Jesus. We've got to be a people who will walk in the truth. Our lives reflect the truth of scripture. Our lives reflect Christ Jesus. The way we talk, the way we love, the way we treat people, the kindness we show, the patience that we show, the discernment that we live with would reflect Jesus to a dying world. We've got to discern the truth. We've got to speak the truth. And we've got to live the truth. Thank you, Jesus. Will you stand with me? Dr. David Jeremiah, who I will reference throughout this series because I read his book and it was fantastic. He said it so simply. In a world of deception, just be honest. In a world of deception, just be honest. And you will stand out like the shining light that you are. Thank you, Jesus. Can I have the altar team come up? Jesus, would you minister to our hearts today? 
Oh, Lord, would you help us to be consumers of the truth? Oh, Father, would you take these practical tests that you have given us today and allow them to apply these things to our life and to our spirit, that we would be discerners of truth. Oh, Lord, that we would be arbiters of truth, that we would know what is real and what is not. Jesus, Jesus, and the Spirit of Christ would be glorified through our lives and through our church. Lord, that this dying world that is so deceived and so divided in these days, they need something to bring them to their senses, something that they can unify themselves to, something that will bring them peace. And Lord, we have that something. So Lord, let us not be afraid to speak the truth, even if it's not popular, even if it's not fashionable, even if it's contrary to the entire direction of the culture of the world. Give us the courage to speak the truth. And give us the love and gentleness to speak it in such a way that people will be drawn. Even when the world rises up against us and tries to shout us down. Oh, even when people mock us. Even when people call us narrow-minded and irrelevant. We would speak the truth with a boldness, with a love and with a gentleness. And Lord, we would see people come to Christ. We would see people come to their senses in this day and age. And we would see your kingdom advance, Lord. Let us seal it in our hearts right now. We're going to be a people of truth, and we're not going to look anywhere but to you, God, to be our source of truth and to be our source of strength and comfort in this day. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.